Find out why more and more people are betting with Betfred. They make betting on the football season super easy. Betfred's new app makes it super simple to place your bet and even offers protection like bad beat bonuses. The newly improved app comes with more markets, more bonuses, and more action. When you bet with Betfred, you're a big fish in a small pond and you'll feel it. This is the Doc Talk Podcast presented by Betfred Sports 2023, episode 25. Dr. Rob Zadiska, what'd you do with your week off, man? There was a lot of... I watched a lot of football that was not Nebraska. It was kind of nice. It is nice to see what else is out there. It is weird because I did not... uh, I had scareaway cancer on Saturday, so I didn't even get to watch really much of the Iowa game, but I still have, like, white face paint all over (laughs) The Iowa game was maybe the one game I really didn't watch much of. It was interesting because watching Twitter today, um, and I think it was Hus guys. Do you know that guy? Do you? Do you, yeah. Do you okay. He 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 did, and I'm just paraphrasing here. And this is like church or family. And what I mean by that, I I think I've been pretty hard on Iowa, especially offensively. I know Iowa's not good offensively. I, I wouldn't say you're hard, but I mean you're not going to candy coat. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, candy I try. Coat. I don't do that with Nebraska, and I'm a huge fan. Yeah. I live and die for Nebraska but, football. But he went on online. It's like, all oh, right, Big Ten brethren, we got to band together to make sure I was not the worst ten win season in college football history. And I'm like, well, back up for a second. Okay, I would. I would, I would, t- I would consider Iowa Big Ten brethren. And I would take ten, a 10-win ten team in the conference. Well, it, here, here's where I'll defend it. First of all, if Nebraska was sitting at 6-1 and one like Iowa right now and had won the exact same way, you wouldn't be bitching about it, right? You'd be like, winning ugly is still winning. Yeah, although I think we'd still be bitching. And Iowa fans are bitching. I mean, Absolutely. some of the loudest criticism I hear of Brian Ferentz and Iowa's offense comes from Iowa fans. But to say they're the worst 10-win team if they get to 10 wins in college football history or Big Ten history is just not accurate because their defense is one of the top in the country and their special teams also one of the top. Two of the three phases of the game. Yeah. But that's where people's minds are are glued to we only think offense a lot of the time right because if you're not scoring points if you're not racking up yards well you're just a shitty team and i i don't think that's the case yeah the one thing i would say though the the last couple of years this has been a historically crappy offense. i I don't disagree with you it's not that because there's a difference between hey you've got this insane defense and this okay offense. I, I mean, a good comparison would be like, okay, let's go back to I think it was the 2000 NFL season. Giants went to the Super Bowl, lost to uh, the Baltimore Ravens, and that was the Baltimore Ravens that had Ray Lewis and Siragusa. And I mean, it just the entire def- it Arguably one of the best defenses in NFL history. In NFL history. I mean, you got the 80, 85 Bears, you got the you got the eighty six and ninety Giants. Um, you had some of the. I mean, you had the Doomsday defenses with Dallas. That was one of the best defenses ever. But, but Baltimore's it, offense that year was horrible. It wasn't horrible. It was okay. Trent Dilfer, a quarterback that's won a Super Bowl. Yeah, they were. That was a very okay offense. 
Iowa is not like that. I mean, it's not a case of this amazing defense and an okay offense. It's an amazing defense. Amazing special teams. And amazing special teams. And just trash on offense. I don't, they are horrible. I don't disagree with you, but to say it's the worst team, that's inaccurate. It's you can if you would have said the worst offense ever to go to win ten games, I'd go, yeah. Yes, I'll right. give you that. Yeah. I'd say absolutely. And I understand what you're saying. I yeah. here here's the thing. If you've got a defense and special teams that are good enough to win ten games. 10 wins is 10 yeah. wins. Now, and here's the other thing that w- when you look at it, I was not winning 10 games if they're in the Big 10 East. No, no. So that, but, I mean, that, like, that no, nobody in the current Big 10 West is winning eight games if they're in the Big 10 East. Exactly. It's just th- that's kind of the difference is that all of a sudden, if you got to play Michigan and Ohio State and Penn State, and you know, I was going to say Maryland, but they lost to a horrible Big 10 West team in yes. Illinois. Um, it's things change a little bit there with, with that dynamic. So I, I, I get it. Um, they're going to win a lot of games because of the the conference and the division of that conference that they're in. Don't I don't dispute that. But when you're talking about a total team effort, that's not the case. Two of their three, and I'm beating I'm I'm beating a, a dead horse, and I'm repeating the same talking points, but. I, I will agree the offense is brutal, but to say it, it would be the ten worst 10-win team if they get there well, is just inaccurate. And there is, there's kind of this perception thing because if you flip it around and you've got one of these teams that's just scoring explosion on offense. And we see this – Oklahoma State is a, is a perfect example when they were winning, right? USC. Yes. like All of those Lincoln-Riley teams, it's like they, they would just outscore everybody. Well, once in a while, if you can slow that offense down, even a pinch, Notre Dame this past weekend, Utah in the past has has kind of slowed them down just a little bit. If you can slow that offense down at all, you can beat them. And it's just, but I mean, people, that perception is different when it's an amazing offense and a crappy defense. Nobody bitches and moans about that as much as they do when it's flip-flopped. If it's amazing defense, great special teams, but the offense is terrible, people look at you with disdain, and I don't know why that is. I, I would ask anybody out there, would you rather have a crappy offense and a really good defense or a really good offense and a really crappy defense? You'll take a you'll take the, the great defense every time. I would anyway. Yeah, I probably would too. I mean, I'd... It'd be way better if you had a mediocre offense yes. and a great defense. Yes. But um, hey, we're drinking beer today. By the way, uh, we are drinking from Monday Night Brewing down in Atlanta, Georgia. This is from Craig, who I think's making another stop coming up. He he texted us earlier this week and said, "Hey, you'll have beer like at the end of October, first part of November." But we're drinking some Monday Night Brewing out of Atlanta, and this is the, I'm drinking the Blind Pirate, which is a blood orange IPA. This is pretty good. And I've had that before. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm, I'm having the Slap Fight, which is their West Coast IPA. Slap Fight? Slap Fight. Damn. I think that happened in the Logan Paul Matt boxing match last night. Did you see that? I saw the I, I saw the guy got disqualified. Then the two of them going after it after that. Yeah, so. that was uh, yeah it turned into this this weird pseudo MMA thing at the end. Do you like MMA? 
I watch almost zero MMA, which is which is weird because I'm a huge boxing fan. Like I love great boxing. Yeah, the the MMA is, it's interesting because I haven't gotten into it. it. I was getting into it, and then one year they had the UFC came to the CHI Center, and I went to it and I sat right by the ring. I was I was bothered. I was disturbed. Like just how brutal, how it is. brutal it was. I, I wasn't prepared for the brutal, brutalness, the gladiator. I mean, I know you're taking shots, but it was like, oh my god, yeah, and, and, and people loving it. I'm like, this is really weird to me. All of a sudden, you understand how the Colosseum and yes, like you said, gladiators. How yes. how that actually exists in human history because we still have it today. Man, it, it just it just freaked me out, and I've never been the same since. I haven't been able to get into it because I and I watch it, and I'm like, yeah, I, I don't think I can watch this. Um, it's it's an interesting it, it's an interesting sport. I the problem for me with it is I don't know. It's almost too many variables. I mean, you're you're combining jujitsu with boxing with wrestling, and it's. Um, and I don't know. Some people kind of like that. I, I, I kind of like the narrow the variables down. If I want to see wrestling, I'm going to watch wrestling. If I want to see boxing, I'll watch boxing. Yeah, it's I, I you know I grew up with Hagler, Hearns. Uh, I was big Sugar Ray Leonard. I was big Hagler fan. I still think Sugar. I, I still think he got robbed in that last fight against Sugar Ray. I, I remember. I had like a, you, you remember when you're growing up, you could get those Hutch uh, football uniforms. Oh yeah. I I also had. Like a Sugar Ray Leonard, I thought I was going to be a boxer one time until I, I realized I couldn't take one off the off the chin. I was not, <laughs> I could not take a punch. It was one of those things like, yeah, I, I, boxing's not for me. Oh, I uh, got to love. We always that was. I mean, we always like back in the day would always get the old all all the big fights on pay per view. You oh, get yeah. together with two or three buddies, go over to one of their houses. Everybody would chip in their their seven bucks or whatever it is to get the fight. We watch that. We, I mean, that was when I was in junior high and high school. That was like the heyday of Mike Tyson. You know, but but, but boxing yeah. has its problems, right? Because you you have different promoters, you have different networks, the HBO teams, the Showtime teams, and it, and it can't get out of its own way to set up the best fights on a right. Look at Bud Crawford, but it took Bud Crawford forever into his thirties to to get the fight that he wanted. Um, that's and what he I, still smoke the guy, but but it's hard to do that. You can't get those guys to come well, together. And you've got the different divisions. I mean, when it's the WBC and the yep. WBA and the IBF, and I mean, it, like after a while, it's just you would like to think there there would be one pro division for the sport, which is probably one of the things that I think UFC kind of got right is that that it, you really have like. With, at least at the top tier, there's one division. Yeah, and Dana White says the best guys are going to fight the best guys because that's yeah. what people want to see. Yeah, and he's – I was, I was going to say he's kind of a dictator in, within that organization, but it's worked in the sense that you do have the best guys going up against each other, and there you go. Uh, you, your wife was actually – and your daughter went down to Florida. They were at the Florida State-Syracuse game, right? Look at you sporting the, the, the Florida State gear. I got to root for some team. When Nebraska's not playing, I do have other teams. I like so to follow, I, I'm going to so. ask you this because, Owen, when you went to KU, we went down to watch uh, KU a number of times, went to basketball, went to, to some football games. 
I fell in love with KU just because the, the campus is nice. I felt like, you know what, uh, my son goes to school there. I'm going to support him. After he left... There's other cool places. Yeah, so. but after he left, I don't follow him as much. When when your daughter's done at FSU, are you still going to be a Florida State fan? Are you still going to yeah, be... Yeah, really? I probably will. I... Well, for one thing, I always kind of had a soft spot for Bobby Bowden, even after losing. Like that, they're one of the few teams I never beat. Like we got back and got that win against Miami. Never did beat Florida State. I forgot about that. Does yeah. that does that bother you today? A little bit, a little bit. Any other team bother you? Beat every other team, didn't you? Is there a team you, that you never beat? Yeah, zero and two against Washington. Oh man, I, I kind of felt like we got robbed that second year up in Seattle. We were the better team, and that was another one of those that you walked out of there just kind of going like, ah, I feel like there there was a weird amount of home cooking with the referees. And this was, and I say that keep in mind, I'm one of those guys. That's an era where there was not replay. You didn't have replay. We didn't have overtime even. And so if the refs made a bad call, the it was really, really ingrained into you in that era that you just accepted all calls, whether they were good or bad. I mean, you really had this expectation of, hey, if you want to win the game and there's going to be bad calls, you got to play well enough to beat the bad calls. You got to be better than the bad calls. Got to be better than the officiating. That was sort of the mentality that you tried to play with. And so if you had a game where there was a handful of bad officiating calls, that was kind of par for the course and you just lived with it. So it was really, truly rare that you walked out of a game and had the mindset of like, oh my God, we got screwed in this game. That second game against Washington in Seattle, I kind of feel like we got shafted by the refs a little bit. I don't think it was intentional. It was just, man, the, the refs had a bad day, and it, and it cost us the game. The other one was that national title game against Florida State. Um, I, I didn't hold a lot of ill will against Florida State over it. I'm still pissed at that officiating crew. At the same time, that's in an era where guys, it's, it's like what they see at the time, they're going to call it. And if they're wrong, they're wrong, and there's no there's no reviewing it. So Coming up, uh, and if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, which if you're watching this on YouTube right now, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, or if you have subscribed, thank you very much. Uh, but we also have the Doc's Diagnosis on there. We're not going to give the whole thing away, but uh, one of the Doc's Diagnosis we do this week are the top performing coaches midway through the season. Mike Norvell is one of those guys. And two years ago, three years ago, he was a guy that was on the hot seat. After year he was. Two, after year two at Florida State. And he, even year three, there were still a lot of questions. But he's turned it around. And we're not going to give you the whole list, but Norvell's one of those guys who is, yeah. who is, is doing a really good job. And I, year. you know, I would actually say one of the things I would give a lot of credit to is the Florida State Athletic Department, their administration, and sticking by him because they had run through a handful of coaches because um, they, they kind of, I don't know, for lack of a better phraseology, sort of forced Bowden to retire. It was maybe time. It I, was. Um, they, they brought in Jimbo Fisher. Fisher won a national title. That was when they had Jameis Winston. I think they went to the playoffs a couple years in a row with Fisher. And then he... You know, he kind of let the like recruiting lapsed. 
He lost a handful of assistant coaches. He he sort of left the cupboard dry, at, cupboard empty at Florida State. And then before things really took a turn, he bolted for A&M and just these massive amounts of dollars. And it kind of really left a bad taste in the mouth of Florida State fans. Um then they went through a period where they had a couple of coaches. Things just, God, it just didn't click. And then they hired Norvell, and he kind of had one or two years where things didn't go well. But I think everyone was like, okay, you're going to have a couple of built rebuild years here. Year three was the tough one because I think they had some good players. That was um, – um, I'm just blanking on their quarterback, Travis – Oh, I, I forget. I oh, forget. this is going to drive me nuts. We, oh, my God. We've got a producer got, I, that can do that. I got too many guys here <laughs> bouncing around my head right now. But. but but I think it does show, and this is where people maybe need to be patient with Matt Rule. It doesn't happen Jordan overnight. Jordan Travis. It so. doesn't happen overnight. No, but it was year – that year three, they had Jordan Travis. I don't think he started the whole year, but they had Jordan Travis. I think that was actually the year they opened up the season against Notre Dame. And got smoked. And everybody was just like, okay, this Norvell thing, it's just not going to work. And so they had a pretty darn mediocre year in year three with him. And then last year, year four, all of a sudden, thing, they kind of turn a corner. They get some big wins. They had that. Then they knock off LSU early in the year in Louisiana. I think they had a really big win against a ranked North Carolina team. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, well, okay, maybe this is the guy. And they're playing better. They get some transfers. They got they got Verse at defensive end. The defense is playing well. They get a couple of other transfers at wide receiver. And all of a sudden, they're playing some really, really good football right now. And if you go watch them play, man, whether it's a good team, whether it's a bad team, they're playing consistent, they're playing well, and they're winning. And it's it's nice to see, but I mean, God, they had three years where, I mean, that year three, he was on the hot seat. And it was interesting to see how they stuck with him. And they're up to number four in the rankings, or 6-0. and oh. uh, And you mentioned Jimbo Fisher. So we do the top-performing coaches, and just to let you know, Norvell's one of them. The underperforming coaches, no surprise, Jimbo Fisher, which, if you haven't listened, and I'm going to go back and say this again, because I've said it every week for the... I said it last week. Go back and listen to the Joe Moglia podcast that we did about two weeks ago, because he goes into how he approaches hiring somebody. In fact, he was so motivated by our podcast, he went back and did his own video. Did you see that? I did. So Joe goes, you know, I was on the Doc Talk podcast and they asked me about my hiring practices and he goes into talking about that. Jimbo Fisher, the way Texas A&M hired him, it was a splash at the time. It has not turned into a splash, but the guarantees that they gave him show you what's wrong with college football. It really does. Because it can really hamstring a program in trying to get out of a deal. Well, and Mowgli had talked about that on yep. the podcast where he said, he, he said, if you look at the way you hire people in the business world and the contracts you give them and the, I, I can't remember the term, but basically the, the, the productivity expectations that you have, if you're not meeting them, you're going to get fired. And he said, in, in, in the football world, it's, 
he said everything's front loaded. It's there's tons of guaranteed money. It's it, it, he said it, it's some of the worst. He said college football coaching hires. He said it's some of the worst business practices ever. Yes, and he, it, it's hard not to disagree. Yeah. With that. I mean, Which look I'm, at the money that Nebraska's paid out over the last oh, fifteen and years. And the thing that's interesting is that's chump change. Yeah, I mean, that's everybody bitches and moans about well, what could have been done with that money? The fact is, it's pocket change. But Jimbo Fisher's not chump change. No, he's not. And it's it's amazing how locked in he is with those dollars. But tangenting here a little bit, I've had so many people who have listened to that Joe Moglia podcast say it's one of the best pods we've got. Anytime Joe's on, it's one of the best podcasts we have. And everybody's like, oh, it's not a Nebraska football podcast. So they, they, they don't get as many listens. If you go and listen to it, Every, I mean, it's it is. It's he is so good. He's so good, and so much really good, practical, real information that translates from the business world and even the real world to college football. And that's why uh, I just thought it was interesting that he went back and, and and cut a video in his office talking about his hiring practices. Because you may be a boss right now, you may be a manager, you may be an employee who is getting ready to switch jobs. There's so much information that you can use there on e- either how to negotiate your deal or if you're a hiring manager on how to on how to hire somebody. Oh, absolutely. I went back right away and I told I told my our HR department said, "Hey, listen, you need to you need to talk money first. Money yeah. should not be the last thing you talk about. Money should be the first thing you talk about." And that's a thing that was interesting because when you when you talk about hiring, I mean, so cuz it's I mean, the hardest thing to talk about. Yeah. Well, and with uh, with our anesthesia group um, I mean, we basically function as a small business. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're when you hire a new anesthesiologist, you talk money first. Said, "Hey, it pays seven hundred thousand dollars." His- historically, it's one of See the last that? things we talk about. And no, I don't make seven hundred thousand dollars <laughs> a year. Um, but no, it's whether it's docs, nurses, it's you know, it's it tends that tends to be one of the last things that gets talked about. People put a huge amount of emphasis on, um, and I don't necessarily see the problem with this either. But people put a lot of emphasis on the the culture. The lifestyle, the work-life balance. The graduation rates. Yeah, the, the work relationships within the business. It's That's the stuff that I think everybody and their dog emphasizes. And then at the very end, it's, okay, we're going to talk about money because we want that to not be the important thing. And I do understand that in the sense of, hey, when you get up and go to work every day, are you going just because of the dollars? And you would hope people are getting up and going to work every day because they like the job, because they like what they're doing. They like the the mission. They like the people they're working with. That's what you hope is important. But damn, at the end of the day, if you're not getting paid what you want to get paid for a given job, it's just, man, you're right. It's not going to fly. Put that out there first and say, okay, here's what it pays. Are you willing to work for that? And if you're not, let's just forget everything else. So one of the big things that happened in Nebraska football over the weekend, and it's a reason you and I don't talk recruiting a lot. Listen, 
Rob and I are never going to do a recruiting podcast. I don't have the time. Although and, I do like talking about it. Yeah, I but mean, you don't have the time to live on a 17-year-old's Twitter page or his, or his, or his Facebook it's page. It's a little weird. It, it's, it's a, a little, little weird. weird. I, uh, I mean, there's guys I follow, and there's guys I tr- I'd try to do an evaluation of. If, if you ask me, I'll go look at their and, huddle tape and, and you're tell good, you what I think. But there are no guarantees, right? And this is why I hate verbal commitments, because everybody gets together and goes, oh, he, he verbally committed, he put on the hat, he's happy. Doesn't mean doesn't mean anything. Carter Nelson is a Nebraska commit. He's one of the best tight ends in the country. And people freak out. Freak athlete. And people are freaking out right now because Carter Nelson, this weekend, went to the USC-Notre Dame game, and he was there on a visit for Notre Dame. And people are like, why would you do that? Well, there's a number of reasons why you would do it. First of all, you get so many visits a year. There's nothing wrong with taking visits. Nothing wrong with it. Matter of fact, I'd take as many as I can. Um, what are you allowed? Five, I think it is. Well, this is a game day. Well, actually, I'm not sure. Was it an official visit? Because there's official visits, which is where the school pays your way. Pay, pays the pays your way. So I think it's still five on those. There's unofficial visits where you pay your own travel expenses, and the, you can. My understanding, you can take as many of those as you yeah. want. Now, should Nebraska fans be worried that Carter Nelson was at Notre Dame? I think they should because he was, a little bit. He, he was there for the USC game and they yeah. watched him kick the crap out of USC. Yeah. Um, yes, I'd be worried. Now here and and here's the thing too. If you if you are a college football team right now, and this is in, in the era of like the Travis Kelseys and the George Kittles and the Noah Fants and TJ Hawkinsons and um all the other great NFL tight ends out George there. George Kittle? I just said George Kittle. Oh, yeah, I thought you said Hawkinson in Noah Fan. Well, I said George Kittle, uh, too. I, 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 I spaced Travis, that out. And Travis Kelsey. Yeah. You were gazing long I, at Carter Nelson's I, picture. No, I was looking at your Oyster Angel. City hat is what I was doing. That's tasty beer, by the way. I had one of those yesterday in celebration of the Florida State win. I, anyway, the point I was going to make is, can you have too many super athletic tight ends on a team right now? No. No. Let's line up three of those guys on every single play. If I'm a if I'm an offensive coordinator right now, I I want I want three of those guys. I want three guys who are 6'7, 240 to 260 pounds lining up on the field Every single play. Yeah, let's see what your six foot one, hundred ninety five pound safety can do with this guy. And and Nelson's one of those guys, right? He is, and that's that's kind of the whole Fedoni thing in Lincoln is that you got this guy who's six seven, I don't know what, two forty, and can run, can jump, long arms, and he block. He's he's a great blocker. He kicks the shit out of people blocking. Is he perfect? No, and he's, and you know, this is really the first year that he's had a chance to really get on the field and play in a football game in like three years. So it's he's still kind of finding his way, but you see these flashes of athletic brilliance with him that I think as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be really something. But that's the kind of guy that everybody's going after right now, and Carter Nelson is totally that guy. Notre Dame, like it or not. And there's going to be plenty of Domer haters that listen to this podcast. 
Notre Dame's one of those schools that for 95% of the kids, 97% of the kids, if they ask you to visit, you go visit. You're going. Yes. And I'm one of those Notre Dame haters. Can't stand Notre Dame. But you you understand. I kind of dig Freeman, though. But you understand the mystique, the history, and everything that goes with Notre Dame. And I've never been there. It's it's one of the – Texas A&M is the best football stadium I've ever been to. The best campus I've ever been on is Notre Dame's campus. And everybody I've talked to who's been there has said that all the Nebraska fans who went there and 2001 did the red out at the yep. at the stadium there for the Nebraska Notre Dame game. Every single one of those Husker fans I talked to came back and they all said, um, "Yeah, I get it." After being there, yes, I lived there. For, I get it. I lived there for a week um, up there because I went up uh, like the week before the game. I spent the whole week there, and I just let. Now the great thing about if you go, do go to school there, if you if you want to recruit against it, you recruit against South Bend because South Bend is a shithole. South Bend is a <laughs> bad town. It is a. Ba- I mean, there is a, a clear difference between the campus of Notre Dame and the city of South Bend. South Bend's a shithole. Which I got to be honest with you, I'm like mapping it right now. He's literally mapping it. I am. Like, I don't even know where in Indiana South Bend It's is. like on the Michigan border. That's what they call it Michiana, right? Okay, so it's it's way up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Because I've driven through Indiana more times. Because I used to live in New Jersey. We, we would drive between Nebraska yeah. and New Jersey all the time it wasn't that unusual but the the point is we don't get excited about verbal commits because you can back out of it i'll use caden proctor at iowa as an example here's a kid that was the number one offensive lineman recruit yeah, that's literally almost Michigan. yes but caden proctor was the number one offensive lineman recruit in the country had committed to iowa everybody thought well he's from iowa why wouldn't he go to iowa you got what is perceived to be one of the best offensive lines that produces where, NFL. Where was he at? Southeast Iowa. Polk, the number one team in the in the state there. And then Nick Saban comes in, and before you know it, Caden and everybody's okay, like, yeah. everybody's like, oh, all the NIL money. No, Alabama called, right? Yeah. I, I mean, it's just one of those things when certain schools call, you go, oh, maybe I should listen to this. Dude, Southeast Polk is a freaking machine for churning out athletes. Well, yeah, and so is West Des Moines, Dowan Catholic. I mean, there, there's a number of schools that are, but – it's just when when Alabama calls, you see Nick Saban's on the phone. You go, oh, I better pick this one up. I better yeah. I better go see what it's about. And the, Nebraska used to be that way. I do believe that Nebraska's not there. It can get there again, but it's just not in our that recru- realm. Yeah, our recruiting battles, yes, used to be against the the big Florida schools, Clemson, USC, UCLA, Texas, Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah, you would go in and get in recruiting fights with those schools. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Graham told Aaron Graham almost went to, he wanted to be a sooner, right? Yeah. Wanted to be a sooner. He sat here, told the story. Ended up Which, in Nebraska. By the way, if you want a good podcast, there's another There's a, there's go a back really and listen uh, to. another good. Now, it's not reason to hit the panic button yet, but that's why kids go to these schools and take these visits because well, you have to. You just have to. Yeah, I don't, you know, I well, and here's the other thing, too, is that, I mean, when it comes to recruiting, you want a kid who's going to be happy and 100% with you. Yes. If, if, if there's questions, 
you want that kid to go answer those questions. What you don't want to do is recruit them and have them sitting on your campus kind of wondering, did he make the right decision or not? Because with the portal now, you can get out pretty quick. Yeah, you can. And, you know, you're talking about professional athletes, essentially, that are have that are one-year contracts. I watched Rick Pitino on the Boomer Esiason show the other day. He was talking to Boomer. He's like, listen, we have professional athletes that are one-year one year contracted and they're free agents. That's yeah. the way he's approaching the job at St. John's. That's the way – and I'm not saying you have to like it. I'm not saying I like it. That's just the world it you, work, you, you live in right now. It is, and that's what I think recruiting's turning into to a fair degree. I, I mean, I still think it really plays into – how good a team are you? How how much can you build a given team? What are your chances of taking a player and either winning games and or getting a player to the NFL? And, it, and if you can show that you can do those things, you're going to be great at recruiting. That's one of the draws to Alabama. It's not necessarily the NIL money. It's the fact that players look at it and say, I'm going to have a chance at the playoffs and even more so, I'm going to have a chance at developing and going to the NFL. Hey, make sure to take advantage of Betfred's pro football bonus. Place a game day wager on any pro football first touchdown score, and you'll get paid out two times the odds in cash if your bet wins and the player scores a second touchdown. Use the promo code SCORE on your Betfred app. And also take advantage of the parlay bonus. When you place nine football parlays, the 10th parlay is on Fred. Get rewarded with up to a $100 Fred bet each week of the pro football season. Use the promo code parlay. Uh, Nebraska did not play this weekend. They're back in action against uh, Northwestern. Seemed like a pretty quiet week. You saw Matt Rule at uh, some high school football games getting out and about, which, yeah. is, which is good. Yeah, and I mean, well... It's coming off of a win. I mean, you and I both talked about it. It was kind of an ugly win. Um, but it was it was a win. It, it kind of evened up that record. It's you, It kind of leaves you with that, okay, there, there's you, you've got stuff to work on and you got stuff to fix, but they still won the game. And you're looking at the next three opponents going – you know, here's three more games that they can potentially win. Well, the, I, I don't look at any of these as a gimme, as bad as some of these teams are. Now, you and I had a discussion about a week ago about Northwestern and how bad they are, but it's it's definitely they've got the chance to win this game. And if they do, all of a sudden, now you've got four and you're two away from bull eligibility. And I think that was I think that was kind of the thing Nebraska fans really, really wanted to see was that six wins. I think that was the the number that people really wanted to see happen. Um, just because it does give you that chance to go to a bowl game, get that extra few weeks to months worth of practice in that Nebraska hasn't gotten for the last several years. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's been a quiet week, and I think I think Nebraska fans have been happy to have, go into that bye with the win, knowing that they've got another potential win coming up here. Well, I, I think there's a good chance. Okay, maybe not a good chance, but there is a chance that come the end of the season, Iowa and Nebraska could be playing for the Big Ten West Division title. Think about that. 
Yeah, there's well, okay, so you're looking at the schedule here. You got it pulled up on your computers. You got Northwestern, then Purdue, then Michigan State. I think technically all games Nebraska has the capability of winning. They've also, and I'm gonna say this as well. All three of those teams can beat Nebraska. Nebraska had a solid team last year and yeah. lost. I think we were what Northwestern's only win last year. God, I think so. I think you're right. I think it was. I think Northwestern lost out after that Nebraska game. So it's you, you can't tell me Northwestern's doesn't have a. They've got at least a 50 50. Oh, uh, right now, Betfred, if you go to the Betfred Sports app, Nebraska's a 13 and a half point favorite. Nebraska double digit. That's a that's a double digit spread. That's actually pretty. I'm not touching it. I, yeah. I, there's no way I'm going to touch it. I'll be curious to see what Scott says. So we're we're meeting with Scott Wednesday night. Wednesday again night. If you haven't the watched best, best show in college football, it, it is. It's a really good college football show. The best show is Rob. Like it to has say, the most for a 45 minute to hour long podcast live YouTube show. So much freaking information every damn week. I want to see what Scott says. I want to see what his numbers are saying because, dude, he's been money. Yeah, I, he missed on the. I think he missed on the Iowa State game this week. Um, he he likes Cincinnati, uh, but I mean, and that's going to happen. But even if even if you're not a better, but he was right. He was right about Ohio State. Yeah. And he was right about uh, oh, what was the other game last? Oh, the Oklahoma game yeah, last against Texas. Yeah, and, and it, but uh, yeah, thirteen and a half. Nebraska's favorite at home. It, it makes sense. I just don't. I don't. I don't trust Nebraska at this point. I don't trust Northwestern ever. They're just one of those teams that's just. They've been that improbability that has been just an absolute thorn in Nebraska's side since Nebraska came into the Big Ten. Do you, what does a bye week do for you? And I know you, some people say, you know, Nebraska came off that, that win against Illinois, and then you take the break. Some people say it comes at a good time. I could make the argument, let's use the baseball playoffs. Look at the Baltimore Orioles are gone. The Atlanta Braves are gone. The, the, the Dodgers are gone. You're talking about the three best teams in baseball who had a five-day wait because they got the bye, should we say, and they all got knocked out in the divisional series. A lot of people looked at it and said it was because they got out of the rhythm. Yes, I, I hated it. Um, and it does kind of depend a little bit. If you're a coach... It depends on when in the season the bye week is, and it kind of depends, I think, a lot on the injury situation. If you're a team that has, I'm going to call it the recoverable injuries, the the ankle sprains, the muscle strains, the, the little niggling injuries where you just, God, you just need to give a guy like a week to heal up. If it's sort of in that, if you got a bye week that's in the latter third of the season, like mid or latter half of the season, midpoint onward, even later is better. But I mean, if you're one of those teams that has some of those injuries and you just got to get guys healed up a bit, I get it. I like it. It's fine. I shouldn't say I like it. It's fine if you got guys that you got to get healed up. Otherwise, though, that rhythm is big. I mean, and that's very, very real in all sports. I mean, you talk about baseball, it's all sports. And football is one of these sports where you really get into this weekly rhythm. I mean, it's whatever that schedule is. 
you play the game, you got your workout day the day after, then you got your day off, and then you come back, whether it's Monday or Tuesday, that you start up practice again. You've got a half-pad practice, a full-pad practice, a half-pad practice, a no-pad practice. And then on Friday, you do that quick walkthrough, and then you're playing the game again on Saturday. It's, it's this really set rhythm that completely gets thrown off. And God, we, oh, dude, you lose that rhythm and it kind of, it just sucks. I mean, that was, there were some things that like, for instance, uh, like the Thursday night ESPN games, those were games where there was college. We had a couple of them in the NFL as well, too. Um, Talk about throwing a rhythm off. Are those Thursday night games? Conversely, they were a blast to play in again, whether it was a college in college or the NFL, because you're the only game on. You're the only NFL game. You're the only college game on, and so everybody's watching. That's a ton of fun. It really, really is. But man, that that practice routine is completely thrown off. My senior year, we played Texas Tech on a Thursday night game down in Lubbock. By the time we got back to Lincoln, I mean, because you got a quick meal after the game, um, shower up, clean up, get to the airport. And it's like 1 a.m. when you fly out of Lubbock. You land in Lincoln, get off the plane, load up the bus, get back to the stadium. It's 5 a.m. And you're tired. And, and it's 5 a.m. on a Friday, and you're sitting here, and I remember we're on the plane, and as a team and coaching staff, they're trying to figure out, how do we do this? Do we give everybody Friday off and come back and try and do a quick practice Saturday? Do we give them Friday and do we practice? How do we do this? And I remember Osborne, like, when we landed in Lincoln, coming up to the front of the plane and asking us, he was like, hey, guys, we're going to be landing. We're busing to the airport. Do you want to just go to practice right now? Like, we'll knock out a practice. We got to get one practice in between Friday and Sunday. Do you guys want to knock out a practice now? take Saturday and Sunday off and then we show up Monday and it's a normal week going forward on Monday. It's totally normal after that. And I remember as a team, everybody was like, yeah, screw it. Let's do it. So we went to the, like we bus back to the stadium. Everybody took like a half an hour nap and then we padded up and went out and did a half pad practice. Like no joke hours after a Thursday night football game. And honestly, it was great because we kind of focused more on running conditioning, kept the hitting light, got a bunch of lactic acid, another crud out of our system. And gets that game behind you too, doesn't it? Yeah. And then so the game's behind us. And then we had Saturday and Sunday off. He gave us two days off. Everybody healed up. And then we're right back for our normal Monday practice. And it worked great because what it did is it maintained that normal rhythm. 
And it's it's hard to do with some of those games. So bye weeks, the Thursday night games, the Friday night games, that stuff throws your rhythm off big time. And if you can figure out a way to work around that rhythm getting thrown off, you're going to do well. But that was that was one of the th- reasons I hated bye weeks. Unless it was late season and you had a ton of injuries that you had to get healed up, the bye weeks just they were nothing more than a rhythm disruptor. When you need legal representation, call Connor Orr at Orr and Horrigan. Of course, Connor has been on this podcast several times. Uh, he's a friend, and he's also a licensed sports agent in the state of Nebraska. He also focuses on corporate and personal injury litigations in both Nebraska and Iowa, and he can work with you on your business planning, estate planning, and real estate transactions. Call Connor Orr today at 402-408-6488. That's Connor Orr at Orr and Horrigan. Now, on our doc's diagnosis, as we mentioned earlier, we talked about some of the underperforming coaches. We are also talking about coaches that are performing or, or overperforming. And and you, we mentioned Mike Norvell. One I guy don't that think wa- you can overperform. Okay. They, but they're doing a hell of a job. On the rise. On, on the rise. On the rise. Uh, you talked about Mike Norvell. One of your guys that wasn't on your list was, was Matt Rule. So midway through the season... What do you like that you've seen out of Matt Rule as a head coach, and what don't you like that you've seen out of Matt Rule as a head coach? And you know, I thought about—I actually thought about putting him on the list. And okay. it's, I, I okay. So for the Husker fans that are going to be upset that I didn't have him on the list, because I know a lot of Husker fans. If you're looking at what he has to work with, so in terms of reasons for him to have been on that list. There are reasons. This is a young team. This is a team with a bunch of injuries. Tons. This is a team that had... um, I mean, there there are some big, thin spots, some gaps in the the lineup. I mean, even you look at quarterback. I mean, did anybody ever look at this and say, like, yeah, we're going to be riding or dying with Heinrich Harburg? No, no, no. That is not what anybody thought. If anything, I think people were looking at him and going, okay, he's going to be our second, maybe third string quarterback, but it's going to be more of what we wanted Luke McCaffrey to be. He's going to be this sort of pseudo slot, big tight end kind of kid who's going to go out there. He's going to come out of the backfield as an H-back, running the ball, edge blocker, catching some passes. Um, And now it's one of those like, no, he's the quarterback. And I don't think that's what anybody thought. But I mean, but at the same time, too, the reason I say that, it illustrates how thin that position is at Nebraska right now. Rob, it's funny because a lot of the comments, and I should read some from, from YouTube, and we don't for some reason we didn't get any. Maybe it's because when you when you don't play the questions don't come in. But and, and Owen, if you can pull up some of the comments on on YouTube, I think there was one about a Har- Harburg or just and it was they they're not sold on him. They don't. There are fans out there that don't want him to be the quarterback. And well, I, and I remember, but all he's done is won. Jeff Sims didn't win. Yeah, um, he's a well, game. and I think. Oh boy, I'm I, I don't wanna I don't wanna throw anybody in the media under the bus here. Go ahead. Well, no, I thought it was Steve Sipple down with the Lincoln Journal Star. I thought Sipple might have made 
Was, was it Sipple who said that n- neither Sims nor Harburg is going to be Nebraska's starting quarterback next year? It might, I might be wrong on that, but somebody was during an interview or a podcast had made that comment. And I think they're, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with it. On the flip side, when you look at where Nebraska's at right now, especially after games one and two, you're sitting here going, okay, man, we just need somebody who can be a game manager and not turn the ball over. And that's Harburg for And the most right part. now that's Harburg. And at the same time, he's one of these guys who has enough athletic ability that he has about one or two big play, one or two big scoring plays a game that have been huge for us. Well, and if you get that out of your quarterback, you're doing pretty well. I mean, if you look and say, hey, I'm going to have a quarterback, good game manager, doesn't turn the ball over, and oh, guess what? They're going to have two big plays every game that either score or lead to a score. If you say that to most fans, they're going to take that every time. Now, that's 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 what Harburg's done. Now, the problem is, in, in, in terms of this evaluation of whether you're trying to evaluate Matt Rule or you're trying to evaluate Harburg or Nebraska quarterbacks in general, um, we're playing in, in just this god-awful division. They're not good. Nobody is. Us included. Yes. So it's how do you judge that? Now, do I think Matt Rule's making chicken salad out of chicken shit? Well, I, I'm not calling these guys chicken shit. They're Division One football players at a Power Five school. They're all they're all pretty good. I mean, the worst guys on that team are better than almost anybody else listening to this podcast. They are better if you're listening to this podcast. The reality is, is that Bryce Benhart and Turner Corcoran are better offensive linemen than you are. Except for the host. Unless, like, yeah. Unless, unless like, you're Rob Zadisky. Yeah, unless you're like Zach Wieger listening to this podcast. <laughs> or Aaron Graham. Yeah. Or Brendan Stein. Exactly. So, I mean, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, I do. I, I, I mean, it's easy to sit back and criticize these, these guys, but on the flip side... They're power five starting offensive linemen, which means they're better than most people out there. I would agree. So I don't I don't want to be too negative in, in my critique here. But you've been pretty critical of the offensive line. But I have been. And they're within within power five football, they're not great. So if we take that as our baseline level. They're not great. They're playing in a division of a conference that is not very good. And they're in the entire division is down this year. I mean, there's years that Northwestern is a very good team, and Iowa's a very good team. Uh, Michigan State's, um, well, they're east, I guess. Yeah. Um, but Wisconsin's a, a very good team, so on and so forth. This is a this is a real like all the crap within the Big Ten conference this year is in the West Division. It's just it's a horrible division. So when you're trying to evaluate Matt Rule, 
Has he done a good job, in my opinion? Yes. He didn't have much to work with. He had to pull a transfer portal guy in to play center. He's still got huge gaps on that offensive line. He took a total gamble at quarterback, which if he here's the thing, if we had stayed with Casey Thompson, I said this earlier in the year. Total gamble. It's coming off of a shoulder surgery. Well, and, you were not going to be. And able as to, we learned, he's got a torn ACL this year. Yeah, and I'm not. I mean, yeah, but that you can throw that out yeah. because does he tear his ACL if he's at Nebraska? Who knows? Um, but he's a guy that even when he was healthy before tearing that ACL, he had a good game. He had a bad game. It's, it's kind of hard to tell how good he was going to be this year down there in Florida. I just. It's that was a gamble either way, and they they took a gamble on Sims, and it I don't think it panned out. I'm but here's the other thing: it might not have panned out if they stayed with Casey Thompson either. That's why there are no yeah, guarantees. If, Same with recruiting; there are no yeah, guarantees. What if Casey Thompson crashes and burns this year? Guess what the bitch and moan was going to be? Why didn't you go get a quarterback? Why didn't we go get a portal guy? That's and that's going to be the fallback for a lot of fans at almost every position. Yeah. Why didn't we get a? Why did for, for time eternal going yes. forward? Everybody's going to sit back and be like, "Dude, we should. Why? Why don't we go get some port? Look what Dion's done at Colorado. Why didn't we go get eighty portal guys? Because then I, you're going to get beat by a one win Stanford team. I, I but, think. I think over time the portal is going to even out. Coaches do, won't rely on on the portal as much as you think. Uh. Some will, some won't, but I, I, I think, think the good ones won't. Yeah, I'll, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out because I, Dion made a point that why would you go get an unproven high school kid to completely fill up a roster as opposed to getting a handful of portal guys that you know how they've performed at the college level. Because if you're a coach worth your salt and you think you can develop a guy, you're gonna go get a you're gonna go get a high school guy. You're in the yeah. portal. You're in the portal for a reason. Now, if you want to go get a guy, is, at, which is it is an interesting dynamic because I I see it playing out at multiple levels in NC2A football and, and like at multiple schools within Division One. Here, you, you tell me if I'm wrong. If I'm gonna go get a portal guy. I'm going to go get a guy at South Dakota State, North Dakota State, Northern Iowa, that you're like, oh, that guy's well, really it's, good. Well, it's, it's the proven commodity thing. Um, like the guy I look at that was sort of like, in my opinion, the model portal guy, Samari Torre, if you want like an example close to home. Here's a guy who is a two-time All-American wide receiver at an FCS school up at Montana. Okay, that's a solid level, good competition, and the guy had high-level productivity. And he came to Nebraska and had high-level productivity and made it to the NFL. And that's what I'm talking about. The competition you're seeing at that level. If you're in a Power 5 or even um, uh, like a Mac or something like that, yeah, but you're, you're probably going to the portal for a reason. And maybe even some of these lower conferences might be the better ones because Charlie Jones went from Buffalo to Iowa and up being a tremendous special teams guy and a receiver, then went to Purdue. 
But if you're going from power five to power five, you like you got to go to yourself. Why are you doing that? Yeah. Well, and you look at I think uh, I think it's Jared Verse at Florida State, who's an All American defensive end at Florida State. He was an All American defensive end. I got to I think at University like SUNY Albany, State University SUNY Albany, State University of New York Albany. That's like ooey pooey, Indiana, Purdue University, yeah. well, there's a, Indianapolis. You go up to New York, There's the SUNY system is huge. The State University okay. of New York, there's like SUNYs in every city in the state of New York. It's like Penn State. Yeah. There's Penn State, but then there's like... Penn State, Altoona, Pittsburgh. Penn State, Pittsburgh, Penn State, Hershey. There, There is a Penn State campus... In like 17 locations across well, the state. University of Texas. University of Texas, El Paso. Yeah. University of Texas, El Well, I mean, you look Antonio. at Nebraska. It's like yeah. Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska. It's all University of Nebraska. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Anyway, I think he was at Albany, and he was a highly, highly recruited defensive end. I think Nebraska offered him, actually. Anyway, he went to Florida State and has just absolutely torn it up there. He's been great. But those are the kind of guys that have this level of productivity where you look at them at a lower division and you're like, ooh, here's a guy that either A, developed into a Power 5 guy, or he was a, he was a miss by the Power 5 schools coming out of high school, proved he could play at a high level. Those are the guys you, you go after within the portal um, again, the portal thing you got to be careful with because keep in mind the stat that I keep coming back to: seventy percent of the portal players go to a lower division yes. school. Yes, like it's a correction. I I don't have a problem with the transfer portal because of the fact that I think it corrects things. It sends a lot of guys, seventy percent of them. To the level they should have gone to originally. You know who benefits a lot? The NAIA schools. Yeah. Which, and you see, it, it is kind of interesting because you see some of the Division II schools. So, again, we've talked about this a bunch. My son plays for Augustana. 7 0, those Vikings are. 7 0, baby. They are playing good. They're in the national rankings. There you go. Knock on wood. I don't want to jinx stuff. Got a big one, I think, against Mankato this coming weekend. But, um, it's you've got a coaching staff there in Sioux Falls who really I mean they grab some transfers every year but man they really go hard after the high school kids and they they want to they want to get guys there and develop them over 3 or 4 years and that's kind of been rules model for what he and he's kind of preached that that that's what he he wants to go find some freak of nature athletes and develop them over three to four years, which is again kind of why I'm sitting here going like, well, jury's still kind of out. Let's see what happens after year two, after year three. I'm just not. I'm not saying I'm not sold. I actually really like Rule. I do, and I think. If things move in the direction that I think they're moving, we're going to look back on this season, and even if they only win maybe one, maybe two more games, get to four or five wins, I think we're going to look back on this, and we are going to, in fact, say, holy cow, he made chicken salad out of chicken shit because, God, he just didn't have 
anything to work with. And the guys he did have to work with was this smattering of transfers and then some freshmen and sophomores. And that was it. And so if, if that's the case, then we're going to look back and go, this was an amazing coaching job. But it's kind of like Norvell at Florida State. If you look at Norvell right now, everybody's going like, oh, my God. Talk about a home run hire for Florida State right now that they are playing at such a high level. I mean, they finished a ranked team last year. They're going to finish a ranked team again this year. They are playing so well. God, that first two or three seasons were a little sketchy, and people had a lot of questions. Let's give this a year or two, and then we'll make a decision on whether Rule's doing a great job or not. Owen, anything on the YouTube comments? I didn't find anything. Uh, must have been some of those live videos or something. Yeah, okay. There's yeah. lots of comments on those, and I wasn't going to look through all of them. By the way, Owen just released his fourth single on Friday called Old Jim. Did you listen to it yet? I did. It's a good song, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. That's a really good song, Owen. Yeah, thank you. Uh, if you If you like fiddle... If you like really deep lyrics and if you like a steel guitar, man, this is that's a song to go listen to. I had that thing turned up really loud in the car. Just turn it up really loud. I'll sit in my family room listening oh, to it late yeah. Friday night. Because yeah. you did. You texted that to me late Friday. I go, check this out, man. It's really, really good. So go to Spotify. Go to YouTube Music. Go to Apple Music. Owen Wilson Music. Owen Justice Music. I said Owen Wilson. You oh, did. my God. That happens to me oh my a God. lot more than so you So my, my son and I, the, the Loki series yeah. on, on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. We were watching Loki this afternoon. I got like Owen Wilson burned into my brain. Is Owen right Wilson now. in the in the Loki series? Yeah. yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, people call you Owen Wilson. I've had to take he's back more, he's checks. More, he's Morbius in hold, Loki. Hold, hold, hold on, I didn't know this. People have written a check to Owen Wilson yes, before, and I've had to take them back. Be like, you have to rewrite this and say oh Owen my Justice, God. dude. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I feel like an idiot. Just I had like Owen Wilson burned into my head after watching Loki this afternoon. I, I mean, and it's a great. And by the way, you know, a lot of people don't believe Travis Justice is my name. Owen Justice is his real name. It's not a stage name. But I never thought you'd get confused with Owen Wilson before. Oh my god! I just had that burned in my skull. I'm so sorry. No, you're good. Way Owen to go, Justice. Better singer than Owen Wilson. <laughs> hey, uh, make sure to check out Husker Hounds. Lots of great deals at Husker Hounds. All October, house flags are just 25% off. Same for ceramic game day uh, party trays, travel mugs. Halloween, just around the corner. Now, Halloween was for me on Saturday night because we had scareaway cancer. Raised a lot of money for pediatric cancer patients. And, uh, you know, I, I don't ask much on this podcast. Uh, but if you go to scarewaycancer.org, you can place a donation there. That'd be very much appreciated. Uh, we help a lot of people. And uh, last year, I think we we did $176,000 in grant money. Uh, we gave a family $20,000 on Saturday night. We do quarterly grants of $10,000 to, to families. And it, it's a really good cause. But I was dressed up. I, w I went as the queen of hearts. I love dressing in drag. I know that sounds really, really weird to say. But That's I stuck to the tape. I know, but I love dressing in drag. I do. But if you want to dress your kid up as a Husker cheerleader uh, or even a Husker football player, you can uh, get a cheerleader costume or football jersey 25% uh, off. And I believe with a costume, you get free pom-poms at, at, at Husker Hounds. Love a pair of pom-poms. Did you ever go as, like in Halloween, did you, did you dress up as a football player ever? Did you ever? Never. That, never? Never. Never. What was your go-to costume? I dress up no more now as an adult than I ever did as a kid. 
Oh, I mean, we always went out. I mean, when I was a kid, Halloween was huge. Like, I, I kind of feel like you'd start hitting the neighborhood at like 6.30, and you didn't wrap up to like 10 p.m. At least that's what it felt like. And did you take the pillowcase too? You know, oh, my God. Yes. We would go back to the house, empty it out, head back out again. It was, oh, man, loved Halloween. I would, You know, one of my favorite costumes, Headless Horseman. How'd you pull that one off? Get a big trench coat and just pull it up over your head and cinch it up top. And sometimes, were you a big kid? Did you have an early yeah. growth? Okay. Yeah. I you were always, always big. I was, I was always the tall kid in the back row of the class picture. Man. I did I uh, did Indiana Jones a couple of years. No, I don't see that. I don't see Indiana Jones for you. Oh, man, love that movie. Yeah, I, 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 I love I, the movies. I might have done Indiana Jones like two or three years in a row for Halloween. Did you have the whip? Oh, hell yeah. I think I braided a bull whip out of old leather belts. Can you, where can you get a, can you even buy a whip anymore? Oh, yeah. Can you really? I remember when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, I oh, remember yeah. I, the, what do you mean? Uh, I, got, I got like four of them. Like the big, uh, the big, uh, uh, boot and tack shop in Lincoln was the fort. Yeah. Was the name of it. And I'm, Pretty damn sure they had bull whips. I, I mean, I, I lived in Minden, Iowa, right? So I would go help out on a farm, and they, they'd have a whip there. It was always fun to use it and snap it. But I'm like, I'm trying to think the last time I saw a whip. You probably got to go to like a leather store. You think so? Yeah, I think they probably have a whip at like a leather so, store. So I can't like go to like boot, I can't go to boot barn or something like that to get a whip? I don't think boot barn, but. Yeah, where would, where would you get a whip? Bull whip for sale. Shit, yeah, Amazon's got Amazon? plenty. Hey, they got one made out of genuine kangaroo hide. Is there a certain leather that hurts more than any other leather? Uh, the the leather that hits you. <laughs> Is that what it says? No, no I just I, said What that. a great tagline, though. The leather that hits you. <laughs> and are, do people, like, I'm sure we got some ranchers out in western Nebraska listening to this right now. Do y'all still use a, a bullwhip? Do you God, still I use remember, one? I remember we. I had a one of my uh, one of the guys I went through elementary school and junior high with, Mark. Like his family had an acreage south of Lincoln. Yeah, they, they had horses. Okay. God, they had a bullwhip. I remember it was always hanging. Is on that the wall inhumane? Well, I think they would. Cr- they wouldn't actually whip the horses. They'd crack it, and it was they would. It was the noise. It was hence the expression "crack the whip," right? Yeah. Hey, you ever have a teacher that I'm going to crack the whip? Well, I'm I'm looking at David Morgan bull whips. This is at davidmorgan.com. Whips continuously braided over a stiff handle are used in many regions, but this type was highly developed in the American West as a very heavy whip with a short handle. They are traditionally blah, 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 blah. Uh, He's you can, literally you can, reading this, folks. Yeah, you can get a David Morgan, a genuine David Morgan bull whip. I just didn't know if I could go to Tractor about, Supply or Bob Gars and get and get a for whip. Thirteen hundred dollars. Whoa, 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 whoa! Apparently, those are pretty high end. Thirteen. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a it's a really nice bull whip. And we would. I remember as kids because we're stupid. You would always you would take the whip and you'd crack it. You'd try to hit the feet of your buddy. And you'd hit them, and then they'd start bawling. And you're, then you felt bad. You, you look back now, and you're like, God, that was really stupid. Man, I just I just didn't know where you can get a whip. So there would be some rancher 
and please do. Yeah, Tractor Supply has. They tractor got, Supply does. Okay. Yeah, they got they got ten foot bull bull whips. I could deluxe hang deluxe braided bull whip. I could hang out in Tractor Supply or Baumgars like all day long. I don't know what it is, and I don't even live on a farm. I don't live on a farm. It's just that small town kid in me. You are from Iowa. I am from Iowa. You are Did, from Iowa. Yeah. What's the ah? Oh. God, there's one there just west of Des Moines. The the store where it's like Fleet Farm. Fleet Farm. Thank you. <laughs> Oregon oh, Owen Wilson knew exactly what I was talking about there. So <laughs> I think I, one's coming to Omaha. One's actually. coming to Omaha. Yeah. Yeah. I think so it's there's good. a fleet farm in Sioux Falls, too. But yeah, Fleet Farm. The, the, I've been in a fleet I've been in that fleet farm once. And it's one of those, yeah, I can never go back in a fleet farm again. Because you're going to drop thousands of dollars? Because I'm going to drop a lot of money and probably just not leave. I don't know what it is about a farm store that I like. But I think the fleet farm here is supposed to go out like on the Highway 375 exit, if I'm not mistaken. So the Gretna exit. Okay. I think that's. I think there's some land out there plotted for that. I could be wrong. Uh but yeah, I'm sure you get a bowl. I think you can get anything at. at uh, well, I mean, even tractor supply. It's one of those. I need some fence posts and a gun safe, <laughs> and you can get it there. And they'll have it. Well, here's what I learned. I didn't even know this. So we've got. Uh, you've noticed we've got these new headphone holders, right? Yeah. This is like a, a legit. So I thought Owen had bought these off of of like B and H Video, or he goes to Sweetwater quite a bit. So I go, hey, you know, I'll reimburse you for them. Where'd you get them at? Where'd you get these at, Owen? I got them at Menards. Menards. Menards had a headphone They holder. got everything there. They kind of do. I think Menards is a little... They're kind of like... I think people look, at, look down on Menards because it's sort of like the... They're to Home Depot or Lowe's, what like Shopco is to Target. <laughs> is Shopco even around? Didn't they file for bankruptcy? I don't know. You, you could have went local and said it's the Pomida of what Pomida is to Target. Is there a Pomida no, in Nebraska no, they, they all closed anyways, yeah, right? Pomidas are done. Used to be Pomidas all across but, Nebraska hey, and I, Iowa. Owen's building the deck right now for at his house, and I, in his my brother-in-law, Tony, too, they swear Menards is better than Home Depot and Lowe's. Oh, yeah, Menards, Menards is the way to go. Yeah, It kind of is. Yeah. I will say that when I really need something and I can't find it, it's like Walmart. Like, you don't want to go there. Yeah, but you have to. But they're the one place that they will have that yes. stuff. You're 100% correct. They'll have it. I wonder if I get a bullwhip at, at, at Walmart. <laughs> I bet at the Walmart. Tractor Supply had I bet, I bet if I go to the, the Walmart in Shadron, I bet I can get a bullwhip. We're going to find this out. Okay. Can I get a bullwhip at, at Walmart? Probably special bull order whip. online. Walmart. Or Walmart. Menards. Rob, Rob actually doing the search <laughs> as, as we speak. Yes. You can? Yeah, Walmart has bullwhips. Oh, my God. Is that is a bullwhip a weapon? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure you could use it as one. <laughs> oh, yeah, you could. Thirty nine ninety nine. I could pick up one of these chairs and it's a weapon. Listen, that thirty nine ninety nine for the bull whip is a lot better than the thirteen hundred dollars just because it was like hand braided by some. Why cowboy. do you hate David Morgan? I don't whips. hate David Morgan. I'm just saying it's kind of like I don't know the guy, but apparently he makes a damn fine bull whip. But apparently, apparently, it's kind of like bourbon, right? I can go buy a five hundred to a thousand dollar bottle. of Pappy Van Winkle, but is it really going to taste that different from the Basil Haydens that I'm putting in my in my house for seventy five bucks? Probably not. 
Hell, How I'm much is that Kirkland bourbon? Uh, I think the Kirkland bourbon was like 35 bucks, and I'm fine with the Kirkland bourbon. And I've been drinking more and more of that scotch you brought me. Yeah. Dude, I like it. At first, I was like, ah, my, my. then the more I drank it, I'm like, oh, th- th- this is really good. It's refined. It's it's really, really yeah, good. Yeah, but you said you're more of a bourbon guy and not a scotch I'm guy. I'm not, but you, you may turn me into a scotch guy. See, all, all the, like, And there the is old, a difference between bourbon and scotch. Yeah. All the old men in my family were scotch drinkers. Like the grandparents, the uncles. You know why? Because you, you're smart. I'm not a smart person. You I'm not a scotch. I'm just telling you what the people in my family drink. Because you came scotch, from a sophisticated, so. educated family. I came from a bunch of Iowa, small town folks from Iowa. Yeah, but you're smart. and you. you well, you, that's true. Yeah. But and I'm not a scotch drinker. I'm a du- beer drinker. Yeah, And you can, you can pound the beer. Did you drink that seltzer yet? Yeah. You drank that? That was like 9%. Yeah, it was one. I had one. Okay. I'm just I'm just saying, man. Just saying. Hey, if you have not watched Behind the Point Spread, we talked about it earlier, uh, but it's another reason to subscribe to the Doc Talk Sports YouTube channel. Behind the Point Spread comes up on Wednesday night. Join Dr. Rob Zadiska, myself, and Scott Spreitzer, our Vegas insider, uh, with a, a lot of lot good information on college football. We usually look at four college football games. Nebraska is always going to be one. I was always going to be one. That's for me. I need a little uh, a little pleasure out of this. But we look at two other college football games. But what we've been doing all season, we go into these metrics. And Scott comes up with the metrics he takes a look at. It's crazy to think. I just blanked. What was Scott's? Because I was I kind of honed in on Scott's take. Um on some of his other games, I'm blanking on what he said about the Iowa-Wisconsin game. Um, I don't think he was going to touch it, but remember, Wisconsin was a 10-point favorite. Okay. He had Wisconsin on a neutral field, an 8.5-point favorite, so he thought the line was set about right. I don't think he bet it because you don't want to bet two teams like that because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. But uh, the under came in. Jeez, that under was at 33. He texted me the next day. He's like – that, that was the thing that scared me about that one is how low that under – It the dropped to like 33 and a half yeah. on, on some books. 33 and a half is bad, and it hit the yeah. under. Yeah. That's the thing when nobody's scoring points, you have no clue who's going to yeah. win that damn game. Nope. I mean, hell, a safety ended up playing a big part in that game. Yes. So – yeah, stuff like that. That's the problem with those games. I mean, it's one of those. I've never really known much about games in terms of looking at gambling, look at an over-unders, things like that. I watch that, and all of a sudden, you kind of start to understand the statistical backgrounds and, that play into and, how these games shape And up. by the way, we're not saying – there's no guarantee when it comes to – because, listen, Wisconsin was a 10-point favorite against Iowa and got beat, Okay. In Wisconsin. In Wisconsin. So they beat the odds. But like his last metric that he used, and you can go back and watch the show, is the rushing rate or yards over expectancy. Just little things they look at that over time, it's kind of like the S&P 500. you got to play the long game with this. Over time, these numbers will work out, but there will also be a week where they don't work out. Which, did you look at the rushing yardage? For Iowa and Wisconsin, uh, Iowa outrushed them big time. Now it didn't yeah. hurt that you had you know Lashawn Williams go for an eight, eight, what an eighty-seven yard touchdown run. Yeah, yeah was, I think it was like seventy-four or like seventy-two, but his total 
was like 176 yards yeah. rushing. So, yeah. I mean, remove that one run. He's still over 100 yards. And he's a 100-yard rusher still. Yeah, against a really good defense. Yeah, so it's it's kind of one of those. I look at that, and it was just one of those. That kind of plays into the that stuff Scott was talking about is you had a guy who went over that metric, and Iowa wins the game. Hey, we do need to thank Husker Max, huskermax.com. David Max and Joe Hudson over there for distributing this podcast. Head to huskermax.com for the latest news, opinion, and uh, from a variety of voices. Uh, lots of them up there. Uh, if you have questions for Dr. Rob Zadiska, either after listening to this podcast or after the game against Northwestern this weekend, send them to doctalksports at gmail.com. That's doctalksports at gmail.com. You can follow us on the socials, Twitter at doctalksports. Facebook, at Doc Talk Sports. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I can't ask enough. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And, of course, we are now on TikTok. We got the TikTok the videos. Tic- we're going to do a TikTok. We're going to. We got the TikTok taken care of, man. Nice. Got the TikTok nice. taken care of. Dr. Rob, always good to see you, my friend. Absolutely. Uh, if you uh, like the podcast, give it a like. Uh, you write a review for us. That would be awesome, too. Uh, a lot of you listen to this each and every week and each and every month, and we appreciate that. Just know we do appreciate it. Everybody takes the time to take this time an hour and 15 minutes out of your day uh, to listen to us babble. I was at Scareway Cancer that I talked. She goes, oh, my God, Doc Talk Sports. I'm like, <laughs> there was a time it used to be television, but now it's like, I listen to your podcast all the time. She actually said she she listens to the podcast so she can go to work and talk to the guys like she knows what she's talking about. I love it. That was super, super cool. Start listening to the uh, behind the point spread, and then you'll really yes. be able to. That that should be drop our tagline. Knowledge bombs. The Doc Talk podcast presented by Bet Friend Sports. Become smarter. Really, that that's what it is. Become smarter. And also go uh, listen to Owen's new single, Old Jim. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you can get your music. In fact, listen to all four songs that he has released. He's got an album coming out, I believe, in December. We'll talk more about that as the season goes along. For Dr. Rob Zadiska, producer, visionary, Owen Wilson, Owen Justice. (laughs) I'm Travis Justice. We'll talk to you next time on the Doc Talk Podcast presented by Betfred Sports. Betfred Sports.